Section 18 of Luke Rue. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim Nienaber. Luke Rue by Eden Philpotts. Pete and Pete. Chapter 1. They sat together, forward, under scant shadows, while the star of Bethlehem, a dirty little coasting schooner, lay nearly becalmed in the Caribbean. Her sails flapped idly, hot air danced over the deck and along the bulwarks. Away on the port bow extended a scattered panorama of the grenadines. Each little islet shone, dotted gray or golden, against the deep sapphire of the sea, and silver surges twinkled at the lonely ramparts of them. Here and there, aboard, a spar creaked lazily, or a block went chip, chip, as the star of Bethlehem, laden heavily, rolled on a swell. The sun blazed over the foreyard arm. The heat was tremendous, but Pete and Pete basked in it and loved it. Neither saw a necessity for a straw of head covering. Indeed, Pete the Greater wore no clothes at all. He sat, watching Pete the less. Anon he put forth a small black hand for a banana. Then, with forehead puckered into a world of wrinkles and furrows, he inspected his namesake's work, and later, tired of squatting in the sun, hopped onto the bulwark and up the mizzen shrouds. Pete the Greater was a brown monkey, the treasured property of the skipper, and Pete the Less, now cleaning some flying fish for the cook, was a negro boy, the treasured property of nobody a small lad with tattered trousers from beneath which stuck clumsy naked toes, a lean body more of which appeared than was hidden by the rags of his shirt, and great black eyes like a dog's. He was, in fact, a very dog-like boy. When the men cursed him, as mostly happened, he cowered and hung his head and slunk away, sometimes showing a canine tooth. When they were in merry mood, he, too, frisked and fawned and went mad with delight, but the chance seldom offered. He had a grim master, and an awful responsibility in the shape of Pete the Greater, for a ship's monkey in the tropics commands a deal of attention. This active beast, under God and the skipper, was Pete's quote-unquote boss. The sailors said that he always touched his wool to it, and everybody knew that he talked to it for hours at a time. When the lad first came aboard, Skipper Spicer put the matter in a nutshell. "'See here, Nig, this monkey's your pigeon. You've just got to watch it and feed it and think of it all the time. And bear in mind, as he's a darned sight more valuable than anything else aboard this ship. So keep your weather eye lifting, and remember there'll be merry hell round here if any harm comes to Pete.' "'I's called Pete, too, Massa.' The boy had answered, grinning at what struck him as a grand choke. "'Are you? Well, you'll sing second, Sonny, and you'll wish you'd never been born oftener than you draw breath in a day if you don't get pals with Pete, number one. There he is, sitting on the hatch, and you've got to watch him all the time, all the time, mind.' Then the negro went in fear to make friends with the monkey, and succeeded beyond his expectations— but apes are capricious, and Pete the Less found his pigeon aboard the Star of Bethlehem no bed of roses. 
for that matter the rest of the hands suffered too skipper spicer was a bald-headed old fellow with a temper like a demon a man blighted by sorrow and affliction impossible to please very bad to sail with the mate of the ship had known his captain in past years when the sun shone on him dick bent pretended to some philosophy with a forcible way of putting facts and when therefore the rest of the little crew grumbled at their old man he explained the position from his former knowledge it's like this here nature filled the old sweep with a milk of human kindness then she up and sent a thunderstorm of troubles and turned it sour i've sailed on and off with him these past ten year and i've knowed when he kept his foot in his temper and were a very tidy member of seafarin society but after his missus died and his kid died then he what had married old and was wrapped up in the woman and the child as came to him in his age why then he cast off all holds and chucked religion and wished he could see the wide world in hell and done his little best to help send it there men gets that way when things turn contrary wise skipper'll die in a tantrum i judge one of them black wines as wriggles on his forehead when his danders up'll go pop some day not but what there's good hid in him too but bent's shipmates three mongrel negroes and two englishmen failed to find the buried treasure skipper spicer was always the same with painful monotony only the man bent and the monkey pete could pull with him the rest of the crew suffered variously for the captain though no longer young was tough and very powerful he had outbursts of passion that presented a sorry sight for gods a painful spectacle for men such paroxysms as his mate prophesied seem likely enough to end life for him some day and just as likely to end life for another body the negro boy scraped out his flying fish and cut off their tails and wings then he peeled a pannikin of sweet potatoes and talked to his charge massa pete he said gravely you's a damn lucky gem i'm sar the most lucky gem i'm aboard the star bethlehem you friends whip cap'n just a ways he never shop with you never but he dat shop with me sir that i saw all over the back all the time i think you might say a word to cap'n for me massa pete was mighty good nigger to you sir the monkey was chewing another banana it stripped off the rind with quick black fingers filled its mouth stuffed its cheeks and then munched and munched and looked at pete with that horrible glimmering dawn of conscious intelligence which lights the eye of the ape it held its head on one side as though thinking and weighing each word and pete felt quite convinced that it understood him the boy himself was ten years old he had entered the world undesired and knew little of it save that sugar-cane was sweet in the mouth but hard to come by honestly pete the greater lived in the master's cabin and pete the less often heard the skipper talking to him if the captain could exchange ideas with his monkey surely a nigger might do so and it comforted the boy to chatter out his miseries and empty his small heart to the beast certainly no one else on board had time or inclination to attend to him so pete talked to pete 
I just wish you was me and me was you, sir, for I has very bad time aboard this boat. But you has all banana and no work and and don't be so spry, Messer Pete, as the monkey went capering aloft. One day you run long them spars too often and fall in de sea to my shark. Den what de boss do with me? It happened that Bent was lying full sprawl behind a hatchway, smoking and grinning as he listened to these remarks. Now he popped up a funny small head with big eyes and a red beard. He'd skin you, nig, and then throw you after the monkey, he answered. I guess he would, sir. So keep alive. Why, you might as well steal the old man's watch as let that animal there get adrift. The skipper came on deck at this moment, and both Pete saw him at the same moment. One touched his wool and ambled forward to the galley. The other came down the rat-lines head first, and leapt chattering to the captain's shoulder, a favorite perch. His master had owned the monkey five years. It belonged once to his mulattress wife, and when she was dying she specially mentioned it and made it over to him. That and his old turnip watch were the only treasures he had in the world. With his brown wife and little home in Tobago, the man had been happy, even God-fearing, but the first baby killed its mother, and dying also left a wrecked life behind. Spicer cared for nothing now, and consequently feared nothing. It is their interest on earth, not the stake in eternity, that makes intelligent men cowards. End of section 18